Words hold immense power. Those who wield them with grace and precision are able to persuade others, diffuse conflict, make a lasting impression, and unlock life-changing opportunities. But how do you move from being an average conversationalist to an eloquent force to be reckoned with? Well, why not take some lessons from the most skilled communicators in history? Come along as we study those who have a way with words, from poets and public speakers to authors and philosophers. It's time to level up your communication skills. Welcome to A Better Way to Say. Welcome, welcome. If you're hearing my voice flowing through your speakers, that means you're about to get a crash course in becoming a more attractive conversationalist. No surgery needed. That's because each of these conversation habits that I'm going to walk you through will help you speak in a way that naturally draws others in. And I use that term intentionally because attractive comes from the Latin word attraher, which means to pull in or to draw in. And that's exactly what these conversation habits will help you do. If you're new to the show, hi, my name is Celeste Renee, and each week we get together to become more magnetic and effective communicators. And we do it while learning from a skilled speaker in history. And this episode's guest of honor is a former prime minister who was really able to connect with people from all walks of life. Benjamin Disraeli was a captivating speaker who knew what to say to win people over. He actually served as prime minister twice, first for a short time in 1868 and then again starting in 1874. But he, he played a large role in shaping the conservative party and moving it into the modern age. So I'm going to give you some fast facts about Disraeli just so you can get a sense of him. And then we're going to hop into what we can learn from him to become more attractive and captivating conversationalist ourselves. Okay, so some noteworthy achievements, his greatest hits, if you will. Um, he accomplished a great deal as prime minister. This included expanding voting rights for the working class. He did that via the Reform Act of 1867. And also he helped to facilitate the purchase of the Suez Canal, which was a good strategic move for Britain's global commerce. Beyond the political wins, he was a character. He was a larger-than-life character. He wore these flamboyant outfits. There are a lot of books written about him. He really captivated public attention. And I think part of that is just he was a very dynamic presence. He was witty, charming, very good at flattering people. One biographer even commented that his command of language had been the making of him. Also, he was no stranger to political enemies. He was part of probably one of the most famous rivalries in a parliament against William Gladstone. Throughout his life, Disraeli really used his command of language and his humor and his all-around confident demeanor and communication skills to connect with others and move his goals forward. And he did this with such charm that people loved speaking with him. They enjoyed being in his presence. There's even a story of 
a woman talking about her time with him and his political rival, Gladstone. And she said, when I left the dining room after sitting next to Mr. Gladstone, I thought he was the cleverest man in England. But after sitting next to Mr. Disraeli, I thought I was the cleverest woman in England. (laughs) I love this little sliver of history because it gives us a window into the kind of conversationalist that Disraeli was, and hopefully the kind that we can be too. He knew exactly how to make others feel heard and valued. He really just made them feel amazing. And I think this in turn made them more receptive to him, which got me thinking, how can we do that with our own communication? How can we be that person that people just love speaking to? So, of course, I did some research on Disraeli and his communication, and I compiled five specific tactics that he used that are incredibly effective at winning people over. So, that's what we're going to walk through in this episode. For each one, I'll explain why it works and then also how you can use it in your own interactions to make yourself a more attractive speaker. So, let's get started. Lesson number one, you enter with confidence. Confidence is probably one of the most attractive traits someone can possess. And it's ideal to signal this right from the start. So the way you start off a conversation will set the tone for the interaction. And I mean, let's be honest, you don't have a very big time slot to make that initial impression. It's a short little window. And in this window, it's important to come across as relaxed and self-assured. I think we all know the standard body language tips of shoulders back and head high, making good eye contact, you know the drill. That lays the groundwork for coming across as confident, but the way you speak will either confirm that image or destroy it. So what do you say? Here are two ways that you can enter a situation with confidence. Number one, use humor. I think that being able to make a little joke, a lighthearted jab, signals that you're at ease. So it's an instant energy boost to a conversation. And obviously people love to laugh. So this skill makes you immediately more attractive. It can also help you navigate tense situations with a little more grace. Disraeli understood this and he was well known for his humor and his quick wit. He used it in his speeches to keep audiences engaged and he also used it in his personal conversations. We spoke a little bit earlier about William Gladstone that was his fierce political rival and there's a story that someone once asked Disraeli to define the difference between a misfortune and a calamity and he said, If Gladstone fell into the Thames, that would be a misfortune. But if someone fished him out again, that would be a calamity. And that epic burn lives on in the history books. Now, when you use humor, you'll want to focus probably on more uplifting jokes rather than political jabs. But you can sprinkle this in at the start of a conversation to kind of set a more welcoming tone when you first meet someone. So after you do the normal, hi, my name is, you can shake things up with a little joke and a smile. 
If you need some material to work with for your upcoming hilarious jokes, check out the episode on how to be naturally funny. In that one, I break down Mark Twain and I'll link it in the show notes for you so you can check it out after this episode. All right, another way to enter with confidence is to dress well. The way I like to think about it is that my clothing speaks before I do. Disraeli had a reputation for being impeccably dressed and not in a commonplace way either. He was definitely hard to miss. Different descriptions of his outfits include things like velvet green pants and lace trimmed shirts and gloves, bright yellow waistcoats, very ostentatious. He stood out and it became part of his public persona. You don't have to wear a hugely bright or colorful or out there outfit to enter with confidence. The point here is just to put effort into how you look because that communicates that you value yourself. And this is a huge part of coming across as confident. So I would say definitely don't underestimate the power of dressing well and see how it can impact your conversations. I'm a big fan of fashion and I've noticed that people can be drawn to me simply based on what I'm wearing. It's kind of a helpful conversation starter to be wearing a really well put together outfit because people will naturally gravitate towards you. Okay, now on to lesson number two, you put people at ease. When I started doing research for this episode, I thought that I would mainly focus on writings and speeches that Disraeli had said, but I quickly realized that it's more about the atmosphere his words created and the feelings they left on people that actually made him a really attractive communicator. He understood this truth. If you truly want to connect with someone, they have to feel like they can open up to you. So in your interactions, aim to create a welcoming and even a relaxed environment for the person you're speaking with. This way, they can open up and you are able to form more of a connection. Now, of course, I have two actionable ways you can do this, so let's hop on into them. Number one, be welcoming. This one sounds obvious, but I talk to new people all the time, and I can tell you it makes all the difference if you take this small extra step to make someone feel included and valued in a conversation. And doing this can be pretty simple. For instance, I was once speaking with a woman at an event and she was telling me about her career, which I thought was really interesting. But at one point she said, sorry, I know I'm going on and on. I don't want to bore you. So I said, no, I think this is so cool. The work you're doing is amazing. So she started telling me more about why she got into the job and we went deeper and it was a great conversation. And it was just a little word of encouragement, but it went a long way in making her feel at ease. A lot of us struggle with that internal dialogue. Am I boring this person? Am I talking too much? Am I saying too little? Whatever it may be. And you have the ability to give someone relief from that just by setting that welcoming tone. Another way to do this is to establish common ground. And this is related to the principle that we are naturally drawn toward people who are like us. So when you're speaking with someone, be sure to highlight similarities. And it can be something obvious like, oh, we both went to the same school or we live in a similar neighborhood. But 
you can also do this when there's no obvious commonality. And politicians do this with stories. So using stories to connect is a great way to build common ground. Disraeli did this. He was a skilled storyteller. Uh, Maybe because he was a novelist, he did write a lot of stories. So perhaps that translated. He even has a little tip. Here's a tip straight from Disraeli. Quote, be amusing, never tell unkind stories, above all, never tell long ones. So keep your stories short and sweet and interesting. I think that's great advice. And if you want more insights, definitely check out the episode on mastering storytelling, which I will link again in the show notes for you so you can get some tips there. All right. So once you set someone at ease and they open up, what do you do next? This is the third mark of an attractive communicator. You're genuinely interested. Okay, story time. I once hopped in an Uber and started chatting with my driver. Yes, I am the passenger who talks to the driver. Okay, if you're a silent writer, you do you. I respect you, but I can't relate. (laughs) Anyways, I found out that my driver was from Lebanon And I started asking him questions about his home country and his family here. We talked about his past career and he shared with me what his kids were studying in college. Just things that a dad would be proud of to talk about. It was probably a 20 20 or so minute ride. And at the end of the ride, he turned around, looked at me and said, it was great speaking to you. I wish more of my passengers were so great to talk to. Thank you. And the funny thing about that conversation was he was talking for the majority of the time and I was simply listening and showing interest. And that's when I had a classic back of Uber revelation. We've all had those, right? I was overcomplicating what it means to be a good conversationalist. I don't need to put pressure on myself to always say the right thing or to craft the perfect joke or story. Those things happen best naturally when I'm listening and actively taking an interest in what the other person is saying. Disraeli had to cultivate this skill as a politician, and by listening attentively, he could understand the motivations of his allies, and also his rivals. Even in his writings, he emphasized the importance of listening, especially at the start of an exchange. Let me find the quote I underlined. He says, before one can engage in general conversation with any effect, there is a certain acquaintance with trifling but amusing subjects, which must be first attained. You will soon pick up sufficient by listening and observing. So bottom line here, be a good listener throughout your conversations. Be genuinely interested and this will draw people towards you. Hi there. I love creating weekly episodes for you, but I could use your help. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear on the show, head to betterwaytosay.com or open the show notes for a link that will take you straight there. On the site, you can scroll down and share an episode idea. I would love to create what you want to hear. So take a few minutes and pop an idea there for me. All right, now back to the show. There's another thing you can sprinkle into your conversations to draw others in. 
And that is our lesson number four, give specific compliments. I know, surprise, surprise, giving people compliments makes them like you. Who would have thought? Disraeli was a master at this. He lavished Queen Victoria with praise and he did this so well that a woman who originally was cold and stern ended up really warming to him. There's a section from Robert Greene's book, The Art of Seduction, which shows how the talented Disraeli made a great first impression on the queen. So here it is. In 1874, the Conservative Party came to power, and its leader, the 70-year-old Benjamin Disraeli, became prime minister. The protocol of his ascension to his seat demanded that he come to the palace for a private meeting with the queen, who was 55 at the time. To please her, Disraeli was advised he should curb his natural elegance, but he disregarded what everyone had told him and appeared before her as a gallant prince, falling to one knee, taking her hand, kissing it, and saying, I plight my troth to the kindness of mistresses. Disraeli pledged that his work now was to realize Victoria's dreams. He praised her qualities so fulsomely that she blushed. Yet, strangely enough, she did not find him comical or offensive, but came out of the encounter smiling. So in this interaction, Disraeli was able to soften Queen Victoria using praise. And you can use the same tactic in your own life. Here are a couple of ways to upgrade your normal compliments to make them more impactful on others. Number one, connect it to a core value. So what I mean by this is you'll want to consider what the person values or takes pride in and then connect your compliment to that. This way, you're tailoring the compliment to the recipient. So some people really value recognition for their hard work. Other people take pride in their creativity. Whatever it is, take note of this and then give the more tailored compliment so it means more to that person. Number two is to focus on qualities, not outcomes. Let me explain this one. I think it's really important. So There's a difference in types of compliments and one type is much more impactful than the other. I realized this when a friend of mine was telling me that people often tell her, oh, your dog is so well-behaved. And she told me, it's not like he's just randomly well-behaved. He's well-trained because I spent a long time training him. And this is the difference between an okay compliment and a great one. When you give it, you want to focus on the quality in a person rather than the result. So instead of saying, your outfit is so cute, you could say, you clearly know how to put together a great outfit. Or instead of saying, your initiative turned out great, you could say, the effort and the direction you put towards that initiative is so impressive. So use this type of compliment and see how much more people enjoy it. See how impactful it is because it really does make a difference. It's subtle, but it makes a big difference in how people receive and think about the compliment. Okay, all the lessons up to this point harken back to one overarching point, and that is our final lesson, a final hallmark of someone who's a great and attractive communicator. You make others feel important. I've recently been rereading the book How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's one of the most recommended books for communication. I feel like every video where people talk about the books that change their lives, this book is on it. 
And there's a chapter called How to Make People Like You Instantly. And in it, I underline this quote from William James that says, the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. This is very true. People want to feel valued. They want to feel like they matter. And we have the ability to bolster people up with our words within interactions. So really take the time to say that extra encouraging word, to listen more intently. And another tip for doing this is to ask people for their input. This is one way to communicate that you respect someone. So saying something like, I'd love to get your advice on this. What would you do in this situation? Things like that. Disraeli would consult the queen about foreign affairs and he would often do it in front of other important people. And this is something that Victoria obviously really enjoyed because it boosted her confidence and showed that the prime minister valued her opinion. And you can do this with people you know. You can do it with colleagues and friends. You can also do it with new people. It can be as simple as turning to someone in a conversation and saying, what do you think about this? There are so many applications of this, whether you're at a dinner party or a meeting. It's just giving that little nudge that can make someone feel valued. So thanks, Dale Carnegie, for that. And thanks, Benjamin Disraeli for all these lessons. Bottom line, we want to make other people feel important. So you've got the tactics, now start using them in your daily interactions, and don't be surprised when people just can't get enough of you. More episodes are coming your way. Remember, you can leave episode requests at betterwaytosay.com. So if there's a specific conversation challenge you have or a person from history you'd like to hear about, leave me a note there. And of course, please follow the show so you can get weekly episodes and become a better conversationalist one episode at a time. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of A Better Way to Say.